welcome to the last episode for season three on reclaiming Filipino identity. Today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, and I say special with a huge emphasis because I actually recently just like met this person virtually, where my a friend of mine uh, texted me that I should get him on the podcast, and I was just like. Sure, and I kind of like um, as the more that I I learn about him, I kind of wanted to know about his story, his experience growing up here in Hawaii, especially. And just to give like a brief like introduction, he actually signed his first contract with a CEO in the Solidity Hawaii Bakery slash Tea Pretzel. Which he produced an extensive ube product line that supplied the ABC stores, Times Supermarket, and all of the tea presso location in the state. Which is, uh, for those of you who might not know, tea presso is a boba place. So yeah, if you haven't tried the ube product line at tea presso or anywhere of the stores that I mentioned, feel free to do so. And he actually produced it. so yeah i myself hadn't tasted it yet because sadly i don't have time to go out and because we're still on this lockdown i only go out because of work and stuff but this podcast is not about me it's about the guests so without further ado i welcome you guys to the podcast show joshua Hi, I would like to welcome you guys to another episode to Reclaiming Filipinx Identity. My name is Chachi, and today on the podcast, I have invited Joshua Danau with me here today. Hi, guys. I'm Joshua Danau. Hi, Josh. Um, Could you a little bit tell me and to the audience a little bit about yourself what do you do and kind of go about like your profession gender pronoun and what generation are you from um so i am here him i am i go by that i am 19 years old i go to unlv university of las nevada las vegas i am currently in my sophomore year of college i am currently the head kind of the, how do I pronounce this? The director of product development for the Soleil Hawaii Bakery. I currently just signed my contract with them um, to produce a ube line that includes ube crinkle cookies, ube flan, ube pandesal, and so so forth. Wow, that's, (laughs) you're you're kind of like making me hungry now that you're describing that. (laughs) But um, what, actually got you to so, start um, this. I guess it would take me back um, all the way to my freshman year of high school, actually. Um, I joined culinary in Kapolei High School, um, started doing that. Actually, even uh, before that, my mom always loved baking, loved baking Filipino goods, and I would always kind of help her out in the kitchen in that sense. But um, going back to freshman year of high school, I would... Um, be in culinary competitions. Actually, in my junior year of high school, I started my first 
um, national competition for family and community careers leaders of America, FCCLA. I did the food innovations portions of it. And then with state, I got gold. I was a gold recipient and I was first place in the state. And then I went on to nationals um, again. And then I got first place as a national recipient. And then um, I did this for two years, won first place nationally for two times consecutively. And then I, after that, I moved on to going to UNLV from a, uh, to be a nurse. Of course, you know, being a Filipino, you have to be a nurse. Um, and then I started um, kind of dissipating in that sense. I didn't bake or anything. I was really busy. Um, I joined a fraternity in my first year of UNLV, Kappa Sigma. And then with that, I kind of, in a sense, developed a lot of business, like a business mindset, because um, joining the fraternity gives you like a lot of connections and so forth, so on and so forth. And then also uh, within that fraternity, I was the VP of philanthropy. So I was the vice president of philanthropic events for my fraternity. In my fraternity, I raised over $40,000 in my term, my one-year term, um, two different um philanthropy events one was boot camp or sorry one was greek week so basically i competed against um 10 other sororities and fraternities and we ended up first place and i got to choose first pick of which um charity i i can donate to for my philanthropy uh, for my uh sorry fraternity and then um after that i created a very huge event of the biggest philanthropy event in unlv um called fight night where we kind of make an event um, where sororities against sororities, I guess sororities fight sororities and then fraternities fight against fraternities and we donate the proceedings uh, towards um, children who can't afford like very low income children and those kind of troubled children who kind of find an outlet in boxing and we provide them insurance um, and the class itself. So we're able to raise up to $20,000 for them. And then um, afterwards COVID came in March and I had to fly home. And I was just like, wow, this is my first time doing nothing at all. I need to do something. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, maybe I should start baking again. Because in high school, um, also, I would always bake ube crinkle cookies for my teachers, for my friends, like as a little parting gift when we go to winter breaks and so, so on and so forth. And I was like, oh, maybe I should probably sell these now. And then created Nano's Baked Goods in May, like May 6th, around that time. And then afterwards started, I guess, getting a very huge hype. A lot of people were just like, wow, Josh is back. He, he promised everyone that he won't be back and started doing that in that sense. And then um, got a lot of help from my mom. My mom was one of the main support systems that I had in order to run this bakery in, in a sense. And then um, afterwards, we in high school, I was actually really close with the Tipresso Coppola owner because I would always be in um, the Tipresso and Coppola, always doing like studies, um, always doing like study dates there. And then just always, I guess, pestering the owner because I would always be there and just annoying them in a sense because I would just buy, keep on buying drinks, keep on buying coffee and just do my homework there. And then, um, so leading on towards that, I basically um, got an offer from the CEO of Tipresso. And then, um, so sorry. And then um, got that 
and then um, declined it because I didn't know if I was going to go back to uh, Vegas. And then he offered me again in August, and I was able to accept it. And then that's where I am. Right wow, now. like that very was expensive. like a like leading up to now. Like that's a very um, <laughs> your base a definition of success. <laughs> wow, that's I don't even know where to start with it. But um, congratulations <laughs> once again. Um, we're gonna talk more about as we dive in a little bit more. But um, for you, because you mentioned it, um, what was your upbringing like, especially so growing up upbring- as a Filipino? Upbringing. Um, I have an older brother. He's thirteen years older than me, and then he really set a high ex- expectation in my family because he's a basically a osteopathic medicine doctor slash um, a sorry a plastic surgeon also he has a residency in Vegas and California and then my mom she's a register uh, she's a nurse she worked as a nurse for over 28 years and then so I always had that standard to always you know be good do good do good in school and then just be the best that I can be and that's what I guess my upbringing was like and then of course we would always have a lot of superficial things you know just like why aren't you attending like family events why aren't you like doing all these things I was just really busy even as a child because I would never I guess be stuck on doing something that was normal I like doing things that kind of was not around my age I like you know, just not being the acting like the age I was. I was usually acting like very mature for a young age, like for a young age, because I was just kind of brought around, brought up around very, I guess, intelligent-minded people. And just for me to not act like a child, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just always constant um, changing with yourself, making sure that um, you don't let things push you down in a sense and you always get back from the things that do and just always being the best that you can be and then that's that's how I guess I grew up as um, a Filipino and you know just always the constant reminder of success that you need to because um, your parents is your parents's um, parents my grandparents worked so hard for you know for them to be here in the U.S especially my grandfather, he was actually one of the first people. He was the Sakadas, and then he was, like, um, working at the uh, Canes, the sugar fields or whatever, and then brought my mom here and then my whole family. And then actually my mom was born here, but then she was raised in the Philippines in Pangasinan, Manawa, and then she came back along with my dad and my brother after my brother was born in, in the Philippines and came back here, which is, like, a whole, like, mixed-up thing. But, yeah, that's my upbringing um since your brother and your mom they were in the medical field have you ever felt pressured to also go into the medical field yourself like as you mentioned in the beginning um when you were introducing yourself you kind of was kind of you had like the i guess mindset that when you were after you were doing your high school um you wanted to be a nurse so um at the age i guess around seven years old my mom already had like a care home at her house and then we had like private pay 
patients. So I was like kind of already, I guess, growing up in the medical field in a sense, because I would help my mom sometimes like, I'll do things for the patients, like maybe get the food for them or, you know, in that sense. And I was like always in that mindset and always in the, I guess, the setting of healthcare, health, you know? And then my when my mom used to work at the hospital, I would always be there. And then just like, um, just keeping my myself busy by doing puzzles there and just like, just saying hi to, I guess, the elderly, because my mom would work for the geriatrics unit. And then just like, you know, just saying hi, I'm, I'm Susan's um, son, how are you? And just, just, I guess that's how I am today, kind of talkative in a sense, because I don't know. Yeah, but so yes, it did have a huge impact and they did want me to be in it. It was kind of hard because when I was in um, UNLV2, my freshman year, after I um, got initiated into Kappa Sigma, I was actually wanting to change my major to business in a sense because I, of course, kind of was successful in philanthropies and such. And I was just like, wow, this actually interests me more than being a nurse. And then it just, after the whole COVID thing and just how seeing like business aren't working out, business um, aren't really supported by the government in a sense, and it's just being disregarded and a lot of businesses are failing right now. I was like, oh shoot, I guess this dream of mine is like kind of dissipating in a sense. And then, um, so I just changed my degree to nursing again and then now I have this successful baking thing. So I it's just weird. It's just weird how things turned out. I, I, guess, I guess when you see it that way, like opportunities keeps coming up to you and you took it in a way. But now that um kind of had a little, the, to keep the ball rolling, um, what were the struggles that you faced personally growing up? The struggles I faced growing up, I didn't have a regular childhood. I was always forced to do or do readings. It really wasn't going out as much. I was placed into a private Catholic school in St. Joseph in, in uh, middle school. And then I was, I just didn't really have full control of my childhood and I didn't really have that much fun or would go to a lot of family outings because I was majority just working, working, doing this, seeing how things could like, um, I guess, be better and how I can make myself be better in a sense and make myself stand out compared to my cousins. And growing up, could you say that you, you had, uh, you had traditional parents that was very strict of you of doing certain things? Yes, yes, I could say that. But those strictness um, kind of, um, I guess, shaped who I am today. So I'm kind of thankful in that sense, but kind of sad that I really didn't get the childhood that I, like every person should get, you know? Understandable. And as you come to face those struggles or if you're still struggling with it um how did you manage to get over to not get over them but kind of push yourself to be where you are um basically i i grew up with a tough skin in a sense i always take everything with a grain of salt i make sure that before i do the actions that i do i analyze the situation first in order for the outcome to not become negative and i just I'm a very analytical person in that sense. 
can. Um, but yeah, sorry, what was the question again? I just got distracted. No, you're <laughs> fine. Um, so my question was, um, how were you able to, in a way, overcome those struggles, um, especially where okay, you so, are now yeah. today? Um, piggybacking a little of what I said. Um, it's just mostly, I guess it's coming to terms with yourself, um, just being yourself, no matter what your parents say, in a sense, they will always support you at the end. They will voice your opinion, but if you prove them wrong in that sense, they will, of course, show gratitude and show, um, I guess, happiness that you've created your own happiness without, you know, them telling or dictating your life, you know? So I guess it's just more on, or more or less, just doing the things that you love to do without anyone's opinion. Don't let anyone, I guess, tell you what to do. But of course, take that opinion, see how, just see how it plays out and then see if you are truly happy with it. And if you aren't, then I guess it's not meant to be and just do you and your parents will still keep. I like that actually. And trying to tie it in more within your Filipino identity, how do you say, do you see yourself with your own own? I fully embrace myself, like 100%, no matter what people say, like, hey, you're Filipino, you're dark-skinned Filipino, or you're a very short Filipino, or you're Filipino, you have a flat nose, like, I really don't care in that sense. I I just take it, yeah, like, can we swear on this? Yes, you can. Okay, I was like, okay, so, like, I'm like, yeah, bitch, like, no, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're totally hurting me, and just, you know, I would just say, like, I'm Filipino. I am fully proud of it. I'm Filipino. Like, bitch, you don't have anything on me. I I am successful. I am thriving on my own. I am doing the things that I love to do. So you have basically, I don't know, in a sense, if people do like come for me or come for my identity, I would just be like, I am shaped and groomed to be the best that I can be with my I guess, strict but loving parents. And if you weren't to have a strict and loving parents, where would you be now? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you really had all that freedom, like, would that even, you know what I'm saying? Like, with the strictness and the discipline that I received as a Filipino kid, as a Filipino, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. And having the thought process of doing the things or even the, I guess, the things that I'm doing now, like a typical person wouldn't be doing or given the opportunity to in my eyes, um, especially at a young age, only 19 years old, doing all these, all these things, I guess. Uh, so I do, I do embrace my Filipino culture. I wear bottom Tagalogs to uh, weddings. I don't care what people say, but that's my culture. Um, I, I, of course, make a lot of Filipino food. I always bring that to potlucks, especially in Vegas. You're like, what the fuck is this um, this egg roll wrapped in banana? Like, that's so disgusting. I'm like, bitch, it's wrong. Get used to it. And then, so it's just like a lot of, I guess, nothing really in my, in my sense where I do not um, at all regret being Filipino. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like what you mentioned, like it's 
how we were up brought, like even if we had like a strict parents or we were kind of like restricted in some way, it's it's how we kind of like cultivate how we kind of grow up to be like and use that in our advantage to, I guess, shape our future to be better. Yeah, totally. So with that saying for you, uh, what does it mean to reclaim your Philippine ex-Filipino identity? Uh, meaning to just never, actually, okay, to reclaim your Philippine identity is to, I guess, I kind of hate that phrasing. Like, reclaim it, I feel like it should just be, you always had it, but you just need to fully embrace, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it, like, but you're already that culture, fully embrace it. Like, why do you need to reclaim something that you already had and in you, you know? Like, um, I guess, be who you were born to be and not just be, uh, I guess, a whitewashed Filipino-American who just like, ew, ate, kuya, you know, just like adobo, like, like chill, bitch, like learn how to un- pronounce these type of words. Like, you're really going to sound weird to a lot of Filipinos who claim their identity and do not act so social around people and just, I don't know, it's just kind of weird to see, especially in Vegas, it's kind of weird to see like a lot of Filipinos who are like that. Just like Ponce, you know, oh my God, I love Adobo. Like, no, like don't do that. But it's just, it's kind of hard, disheartening in a sense because I, I do teach them. I do teach them a lot of words. I do teach them how to pronounce a lot of things, but you can't really help it when the people that brought them up didn't really teach them the right way or just like, no, don't be Filipino because Filipino is very, um, I guess, derogatory in a sense to your personal self. I came to, I came to America just for you to be American, not to be Filipino. I'm raising you as an American kid. Like I find that really disheartening in a sense because you're a Filipino mom, you should be, or a Filipino dad, you should be raising your child as Filipino and don't make it seem like um, now, now I'm in America. Now I should just make my kids American. No, you should fully embrace the Filipino culture and just be who you are intended to be, not mm-hmm. something. That and I you're like not. how you kind of brought you know? that up because I guess my next question for you, especially because you did go to school in Las Vegas and coming from Hawaii, was there kind of a culture shock for you? Honestly, not really. Um, just because one, a lot of people say, "Oh, Las Vegas is the ninth island." But there's a lot of Hawaiians there. There's a lot of Filipinos. There's a lot actually, like a, the biggest actually, you know, the the biggest diversity, I guess, college campus in the whole United States. So it's kind of nice to get that in that sense. But um, there's nothing really much of a change. It's just, I guess, the change would be the weather. To be honest, like the people are saying, people are still loving and kind in Vegas and here too. So nothing really that's, besides the weather. That's actually a really interesting perspective to hear because most of the people that I talk to that do move away from college, a lot of people kind of have that culture shock, maybe because um, they don't really have the Filipino community that around them. 
And in Las Vegas, it's like the second Hawaii, as a lot of people say. Yeah. So, I mean, there's also another um, aspect of me, like, not really getting culture shock was because, like, I kind of, like, I honestly love school here. I I was actually involved in a lot of sports and clubs. Actually, yeah, I was in Philam. I was one of the um, officers for Philam Club in Copley High School. And then, um, I don't know, it was just, like, more on, I guess, I have a more open mindset to a lot of things. So I just didn't really think to seem that moving to another state would just have to deal with a culture shock, you know? It's just more, being more open-minded instead of closed-minded. If you're a more closed-minded person, you're obviously going to hate where you're going. If you're going to allow things or allow change, then you're not going to hate what you're doing. So it, I just see it more as growth instead of um, a setback. And like, no, it's not me. This is not where I'm supposed to be. Like, in order for you to grow as a person, you need to allow certain changes and allow certain environments to have a huge impact in your life. And that's how you it's kind of like put it like you kind of explain it really well, very well. Well said, actually, because um, how you kind of said it, um, you were able to lay that foundation and how you were able to really like ground yourself through your Filipino roots and being involved at a young age with your culture. It kind of helped you form a certain mindset to say that. Um, it gave you a whole a wholesome perspective. So, with that, with that, and to transition, uh, what would you say to the future generation, most especially when it comes to our Fili- our Filipino culture and our own our own culture so, in general i would say is that just despite how hard your parents are your filipino parents are just know that they are doing it for your own sake um don't make it seem like oh they're controlling your life they're just trying to guide you in the right direction um another thing is don't be afraid to be yourself always stand up for what you believe in it might seem like oh um to your parents like oh you're talking back to me but at the end they're just like wow my child actually has the balls to actually say things you know so i just feel like um do you do the things that you want to do and you'll see the progress and everything that you've done in life and you'll see your thoughts you'll see yourself prospering and you'll see that life is going to be short and that life you should literally just take life to the fullest extent, live life to the fullest, just can't even express, express this more, but just just be happy and do you. Yes, and I guess if you could tell yourself, um, tell 12-year-old Joshua something, um, what would you tell yourself? This is going to hit really deep, but um, around 12, I was really... A, a very depressing kid um i guess i was very overweight and i was bullied a lot of people by a lot of people around this age um i would just tell myself to just keep pushing on no matter how many obstacles you face and how many difficult challenges um that are presented to you at a very young age um just i guess 12 year old me needed 
some guidance needed friends i guess and just 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 keep being you no matter what that's what my advice very 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 well said and and last but not least where do you see yourself taking off in the oh, next 10 a, years it's a very long range but i see myself despite this baking business i do see myself being an rn i do seeing myself um owning a bakery owning a franchise to peso and then i do see myself owning a house living living the true filipino dream of being a baker and a nurse um i don't know just oh in 10 years i will be happy and satisfied with everything that i do that is very nice to hear um with everything that you are doing now um leading up to your past present and future i do believe that whatever you set your minds to be and just knowing like learning just getting to know you through this podcast i could truly see a huge potential within your future um you have a really open mind and you are um because i love avatar so much you are truly the uh, avatar of the next generation (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i'm gonna be um the new cora you know did you watch did you watch that the cora no, I haven't. I actually just saw it on Netflix, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it maybe after after this week. But yeah. So, with that saying, I guess I just want to say thank you for coming on to this podcast. Um, I really learned a lot from you, and with everything that we talked about, um, I really feel like some one thing that I got from you, and. Uh, uh, is to never be afraid to just do what you love and do what you're passionate about. And especially if you may not have that childhood that you wanted um, growing up, now as you're an adult, you kind of molded yourself to, to have that in a way. With the thing that you're doing, your baking business, um, what you're currently is are majoring in it's you're currently manifesting your own destiny and i love that and i honestly wish you the best and yeah that's on period yes (laughs) okay thank you so much (laughs) um you can follow me at joshua denow on instagram um or joshua t denow on twitter i'll be posting a lot of updates uh regarding my baking business and then um an upcoming project uh would be um basically this baking thing um i just recently signed a contract with tpresso which has over 70 or sorry 20 plus franchise locations on Oahu and on the Big Big Island and Maui. Um, And then we are also going to be, we just recently just um, approved of our contract uh, with ABC stores and ABC stores plus sister companies like 
island market, I, I believe. And then I'm going to be supplying them soon. And then Times Supermarket, we're still working on a deal, but they like my Rebe cookies a lot compared to another brand that I cannot say. But uh, that's, <laughs> that's basically what I have to say right now. And with that saying, I would like to end with a fun question that I always ask. What is your favorite Filipino dish? And what is your favorite Filipino phrase that you would like to leave by? Um, so my favorite Filipino dish would have to be balatong. I love balatong so much. And with then, chicharon? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. And then, or, oh my god, balatong with um, bitter melon. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. Or, or <laughs> balatong with um, marungai. Oh, yes. <laughs> 10 out of 10, recommend. But um, a Filipino phrase would be, kutangin amor. Um, that is my favorite phrase. <laughs> yes, and if you had like a merch, um, would you buy that? <laughs> yes, of course. Ten out of ten. It would be it would be my uh, project. Yes, <laughs> maybe a collab. Yes. But thank you again, and this podcast will be released sometime in September. And thank you again for coming on, and good luck to your future endeavors. Okay. that's a wrap on the last episode for season three i really enjoyed having this conversation with josh most especially because he is a very talented person and very one of a, not one of yeah one of a kind especially because he has accomplished so much and how young he is is just very inspiring inspiring and yeah so with that said thank you guys for listening to today's episode if you guys would like to sponsor us and to keep getting the show going please uh, support us on anchor fm slash support and also on our instagram we connected our venmo which you can support us any monetary donation counts so yeah and that said, thank you guys so much. And tomorrow on Thursday, we will also be releasing our final episode for our mental health Quantuhan session. And with that said, if you're interested in being a blog writer for us, um, email us at reclaimingfilipinoidentity at gmail.com. All of the things that I just said will be on the show notes below, so feel free to read that. And with that said, thank you guys so much for supporting Season 3. And I'm so excited for what Season 4 has to come, especially because I recently just finished interviewing some guests and I'm looking to interview more people. So if you have friends who grew up and was born in Hawaii and would like to be part of the podcast, please let me know. Um, follow us on our Instagram, Reclaiming Philip next identity I think it's Philip yeah Filipinas identity and 
subscribe to us on YouTube. With that said, yamanak salamat kaayo and takang salamat. Bye!